Before we get started, today I'd like to talk about our new Buy Me A Coffee memberships. Now you can offer 1 to 5 coffees to our staff every month and that gets you exclusive benefits like special newsletters, behind the scenes content, the ability to ask questions directly to us, as well as a special shout out here on our podcast. And today I want to thank our first members on Buy Me A Coffee, Anderson da Silva, Kat Kramer, Fra and Peter Suffering. Thank you all very, very much. And you too should join them and support independent journalism. Head to Buy Me A Coffee and subscribe. Starting next week, you can hear your name on Explaining Brazil. If you cannot support us on a monthly basis, you can still tip us a coffee to give us the energy we need to cover a country as complex as Brazil and a continent as complex as Latin America. Head to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report to find out more. Open confrontation with the Supreme Court has been President Jair Bolsonaro's MO since the first year of his administration. But with the presidential election looming closer, Bolsonaro has ramped up his rhetoric to the point of issuing a decree with the sole purpose of nullifying a decision made by the Supreme Court just one day before. After justices convicted a pro-Bolsonaro lawmaker who issued online threats to physically assault members of the court, the president granted him pardon. It was a legal way of flipping off the judiciary. Ato institucional número 5, do AI-5, que é o mais duro de todos, como vocês insistem em dizer. Aquele que caçou três ministros da Suprema Corte, você lembra? Bolsonaro has made repeated attacks on democratic institutions since taking office in 2019. And many saw this move as part of an onslaught against the judiciary ahead of a highly contentious electoral process. It added to the fears that Bolsonaro would not accept a possible defeat at the ballot boxes and puts the future of Brazilian democracy, or at least its quality, at peril. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. To understand what's going on in Brazil right now, we first need to talk about Congressman Daniel Silveira. The 39-year-old rookie lawmaker is a former police officer, and he certainly looks the part, at almost 2 meters tall and weighing 115 kilos. He used to be associated with the so-called Beefcake Caucus, a kind of informal nickname for a group of first-term congressmen who looked like gym rats. And until last year, Silveda was almost exclusively known for one incident. During a 2018 far-right rally, he tore a commemorative plaque paying homage to Marielle Franco, a left-wing Rio de Janeiro city councilor who had been murdered earlier that year. Morte da vereadora não pode servir como desculpa para a depredação do patrimônio público. É por isso que hoje estamos aqui para restaurar o patrimônio. Then, in 2021, he appeared again on national news. Respeitou a Suprema Corte, a Suprema Corte é o cacete. Na minha opinião, 
vocês já deveriam ter sido destituídos do posto de vocês e uma nova nomeação convocada e feita de 11 novos ministros. The Supreme Court had Daniel Silveira arrested for using his social media accounts to threaten several members of the court. The arrest at the time sparked a lot of debate around its legality and the boundaries of freedom of expression in the country. Silveira would leave jail after a month or so on bail, but his constant parole violations put him behind bars for approximately five and a half months in total. Last week, the Supreme Court convicted him to almost nine years in prison. And since lawmakers can only be prosecuted and tried by the Supreme Court, there is little he can do to overturn the verdict. At this point, the only possible appeal is more of a protelatory tactic, by which the defendant can ask for certain terms of the verdict to be better explained, but that does not change the essence of the decision. And that's where Jair Bolsonaro stepped in. Less than 24 hours after the Supreme Court conviction, he issued a presidential pardon to Daniel Silveira. Fica concedida graça constitucional a Daniel Lúcio da Silveira, deputado federal, condenado pelo Supremo Tribunal Federal em 20 de abril de 2022. Pardons in Brazil are usually given collectively and according to a series of criteria not specifically benefiting one individual. There is also doubt about whether the decree will stand because the conviction is not yet final and unappealable. Regardless, Bolsonaro's act was in clear defiance of the court, and the president has declared that he would ignore other decisions that come his way. Essa é a nossa liberdade. And with a highly polarized election just months away, Brazil's political landscape is looking more like a powder keg. And to discuss what's going on, we welcome back political scientist Beatriz Hay. She is an SNF Agora Visiting Fellow at Johns Hopkins University and an APSA Congressional Fellow. She also writes bi-monthly on the Brazilian Report. Beatriz, thanks for being back on the show. Hi, Gustavo. It's a pleasure to be back. Now, I remember you taking in our coverage of the September 7th pro-Bolsonaro rallies. And for those who don't remember, Bolsonaro led demonstrations in Brazil and Sao Paulo that had major putschist undertones. And though they were massive, they were not quite large enough to, quote, take things to the next level, such as storming the Supreme Court or attempting a power grab, both possibilities that many were fearing. Still, I remember that the president said he wouldn't abide by decisions he deemed illegitimate. In a nod to the Supreme Court, now, in September, there was a sort of negotiated truth between Bolsonaro and the judiciary, but now, seven months later, the president appears to have fulfilled his promise. And you have written about the relationship between Bolsonaro and the courts, and we have discussed that op-ed on our podcast last month. So without making you repeat yourself, my question to you is, well, Bolsonaro may be exercising his legal prerogative, how serious it is for him to pull a move like this 
What does it mean for the relationship of Brazilian institutions? So I think it, what it means for the relationship of Brazilian institutions is it's a complete disaster. Um, it's a, yet another example of how Jair Bolsonaro will not moderate his behavior or his rhetoric or anything for that matter. I think we we had um, many moments throughout his presidency in which politicians would try to tell us that, uh, oh, wait, now he's going to be moderate. Now he's going to be. And that has never happened. And uh, it's not happening again. So it's it's I, I even like this week, you guys had a the present report had a, a headline that I thought was very appropriate, which was the perpetual state of institutional crisis, which I think describes very much the last four years, almost four years of the Bolsonaro presidency. Many saw this decision as Bolsonaro laying the groundwork for challenging the election results were he to lose. And polls show that defeat is likely. Um, do you think this is a fair assessment that Bolsonaro may try a power grab? I think a lot of us political scientists and also economists have been talking about uh, how the after election moment it's going to be the key moment in this election if the polls are right and bolsonaro loses i think he's going to push uh brazil into a a place of permanent crisis uh and what's going to happen depends on how much support he's going to have um from the armed from the armed forces from the police the military police we still don't know how these forces are going to align or not with him Uh, what we do know is that he's absolutely laying the groundwork for challenging the election. I mean, he has been giving every indication that he will not accept any election results that are not favorable to him. And by by once again challenging the Supreme Court, he is signaling that he's willing to do whatever it takes. That's exactly what he did last week. Beatriz, the courts do not control the budget. They do not control the police or the army. They do not have the money or the force that the state has. Um, their power comes from their legitimacy uh, in the eyes of other institutions, from the power citizens and other branches of government invest in them. When the holder of the highest office in the land so openly tries to disregard the courts, what happens then? I think that's a very good question. When the holder of the highest office in the land openly disregards the courts, um, what can we expect? And as I'm talking to you right now, we, we know that uh, Justice uh, Rosa Weber issued uh, a timeline for Bolsonaro to explain the decision to pardon Daniel Silveira. Uh, and my question to you is, what happens if he doesn't? What happens if he doesn't explain? Uh, Bolsonaro has been pushing the authoritarian needle so much over the last um, three and something years that it's hard to 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 assess whether uh, institutions will work or not. I know we have this debate in Brazil and some people think that institutions are working and others, uh, I would say that the majority think that institutions are not working at this point. And I always like to say that when we're discussing that, uh, I had a professor who would tell me that if if we're discussing institutions in terms of political actors, that's already a problem, right? Because actors should be irrelevant to the function of institutions. The institutions exist uh, to moderate, to shape the behavior of actors, regardless of who the actors are. 
But what we're seeing in Brazilian politics right now is that the actors are they matter more and more, right? And I know that this is not the first time that I've said this to you. I remember having this conversation with you a while ago. Um, and, and again, we're in this situation that um, Bolsonaro is more important than the institution because he has been subverting the institution, which is not a good sign for Brazilian democracy. Over the weekend, Supreme Court Justice Luis Roberto Barroso said that the armed forces have been, quote, instructed to attack the country's electoral system. And without naming President Bolsonaro, Justice Barroso mentioned an effort to bring the military into petty politics, which he said was, quote, tragedy for democracy. Now, these words sparked a reaction from the barracks, which saw them as slanderers. And Defense Minister Paulo Sergio Nogueira published a statement calling the justice's comment quote, irresponsible and, quote, gravely offensive to the military. What's your take on this back and forth between Justice Barroso and the Defense Ministry? Because for me, it seems like Barroso made a big mistake. The Justice made vague accusations that only seems to add fuel to the fire. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, Barroso should have uh, kept quiet because uh, there was nothing concrete about what he was saying. And I think it goes back to a point that I made in an op-ed, uh, I think a month or so ago, in which I said that it's good for one, the Brazilian democracy in such a bad state right now that it's good that the Supreme Court and the justices are trying to check the president and his behavior and his uh, authoritarian behavior. But at the same time, this is really bad because it's not good that the courts are interfering with politics. And what we see with uh, the, 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 the quote from, from Bahozu and how the defense ministry reacted, that's exactly what I meant. Um, we're, we're seeing now a, a clash between uh, the judicial branch and the military uh, and the defense ministry, which is not healthy at all for Brazil. So. At the same time that we need the, the judicial branch to check the presidency because Congress has refused to do so, uh, especially since uh, Bolsonaro was able to build a basis of support with the illegal budget, the secret budget, sorry. Um, at the same time that we need that, it is very detrimental to, to the overall quality of democracy. So we're in a very, uh, I like this quote from, from a movie, we're in a tough spot, really. Now, we penned a piece together about how it is disingenuous to compare former President Lula, the election's frontrunner, to Bolsonaro as if they were both equally undemocratic and on opposite sides of the same extremist coin. Lula certainly has many flaws, and in my opinion, he is not free from blame for the process of political polarization we're seeing in Brazil, but he never challenged the Supreme Court like this. He would criticize multiple verdicts as if they were politically motivated, but he didn't try to nullify them. You can't really compare the two of them in this sense, can you? Yeah, I don't think we can compare Bolsonaro and, and Lula. And I, I fully agree with you that Lula and the PT, they have their flaws. They contributed to polarization. They created this Earth versus them mentality. Uh, they also put money, and we described that in the op-ed that we wrote. They gave money to um, to bloggers 
who supported the government and then would make personal attacks on those who opposed the government. So I think the PT and Lula like laid the groundwork for Bolsonaro, but Bolsonaro is a lot worse than anything the PT or Lula ever were. Uh, we never saw Lula attacking the Supreme Court or Congress like that. And as we point in the in the piece we wrote, um, the PT and Lula and Duma respected the decisions that were made by the political system. So when uh, when the car wash operation happened and Lula was convicted, he went to jail. Duma was impeached. She stepped down. Yes, the PT complained about a witch, uh, witch hunt for, for the car wash operation or a coup for the impeachment. But still, uh, the the actors respected what, what the political system told them to do respected the institutions in a way, right? Um, so I don't think we can compare when it comes to how much one or the other adheres to, demo to democracy and democratic institutions, there's no comparison. I think uh, Lula has a record of being more democratic than Bolsonaro. And why has this fallacy of Lula and Bolsonaro being equally radical become so ingrained in public discourse? I think that this fallacy is so widespread because we have a very polarized electorate right now. And there are parts of the political elites that are trying to to see what they call a third way. Uh, and I think former uh, judge and also former candidate <laughs> Moro try to do this. Um, so they basically treat both of them as the same so that they can validate the existence or the need for a third way, uh, which is not viable at this point, right? I think uh, we're in almost May by now. There's no sign that uh, a third candidate, a center candidate would even be viable. So I, I, I don't see uh, any chance for that. But I think I see this um, this fallacy being um being used in that way so that people to try to convince people they are both uh, they're both equally bad let's look for it for another alternative uh, and and i think at this point in the race with the polls and how we're seeing that the electoral game is gonna uh proceed how, how it's gonna shape up um to me that's that's almost irresponsible from uh from a, the perspective of somebody who's trying to preserve democracy which is me uh, and I think I also have said this to you before. I don't like uh, professing ideology. I think as a political scientist, I try to be as objective as possible. But there is one thing that I will tell everybody, and that is that I prefer to live in a democratic system. Um, that is my preference, and that is out open, not only in my research, but in my classroom. Um, so I think, to me, being worried about the future of democracy in Brazil, it's very important that we make the differences that need to be made between uh, Lula and Bolsonaro. Now, the polls show that the presidential race could become a slugfest rather than a landslide. Anti-left sentiment remains very much prevalent as a political force in Brazil. Why do you think it remains so strong? Well, I think there are many explanations for why the anti-left sentiment remains uh, strong. I think, first of all, the Brazilian electorate, it is it is a conservative electorate, right? Um, we can we can't take like we can't forget that. I think we take that for granted many times. Uh, but I also think that um, the corruption scandals that we saw both with Ming Salo and the car wash operation really put a stain on the Workers' Party. 
and also the things that we describe in our op-ed. I think a lot of people see that Lula uh, divided Brazilian society, and he did do that. Um, so there, there are criticisms uh, for him on that, uh, on that side too. So I think it's a combination of things. Um, the electorate has always been conservative. We have the corruption um, problem that uh, because the PT said it was against corruption, it would never engage in corruption. And then it did exactly that. I think that that is a very strong sentiment too. Um, but there are also there are many other things, right? We have Bolsonaro's basis of support has, um, for instance, evangelicals. Uh, it has agro uh, agro producers and uh, also people from uh, public security, uh, like police officers and and former military officers. So you have like this conjunction of forces uh, that that make um, that that really. They, they they don't like the PT and they don't like the left. And I again I don't I don't even like to say left in in the context of the PT because I think there were many policies that were not leftist at all. But that's how um, they perceive the PT, right? And so I think it's a combination of of things. Well, Beatriz, we will certainly keep covering this permanent state of institutional crisis which will keep us on the edge of our seats, I'm sure. Thank you very much for joining us again. Beatriz Hay is an SNF Agoraf Visiting Fellow at Johns Hopkins University and an APSA Congressional Fellow. She also writes bi-monthly to the Brazilian Report. And if you like Explaining Brazil, please drop us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It takes only a second for you, and it really helps more people to find out about this show. Or even better, if you want to support us, please sign up to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We offer a seven-day free trial, no strings attached, which gives you access to the website for a week without the need to insert any credit card details whatsoever. Just go to brazilian.report slash subscribe. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. See you next week.